Learn more about the albums you love with Dissect, a music analysis podcast hosted by me, Cole Kushner, a lifelong musician and composer. Each season of Dissect dives deep into a single album, forensically dissecting the music, lyrics, and meaning of one song per episode. Our newest season is covering Tyler the Creator's Igor, a beautifully honest album in which Tyler explores love, communication, masculinity, and truth. Listen to Dissect today only on Spotify, because great art deserves more than a swipe. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, get more from your gym membership, visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, View its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Listeners, welcome. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Michael Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts, here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the millennial lifestyle, hip-hop, video games, anime, R&B, Atlanta, other th- R&B. <laughs> uh, Atlanta, Atlanta R&B, Atlanta, you know. <laughs> Atlanta the city, Atlanta the FX uh, television series. Yeah, LaFace Records. LaFace. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Oxtail. Uh, 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 for, yo, Micah, we, before we started recording, like off mic, Micah started. I, the thing is, people who listen all the way through the Kanye episode will know that we ended with like a weird tangent about onions. Caramelizing onions. Caramelizing yeah, we were talking onions. about caramelizing onions. And I was talking about, first of all, we are, this is going to be another one of those episodes where we are trying to sell each other on a certain thing, okay? It's going to be another one of those. So I was explaining how I could not, you know, in good conscience, recommend House of the Dragon being that I had not finished it and my watching experience had been that I watched the first two episodes straight up, watched the third while I was while I was brazing oxtail, <laughs> and then like was having like a friend sort of like explain to me what was going on with the Negroni Spadliato thing, like while I was like, wait, what is the Negroni a pork butt? Negroni, it like- was like a, yeah, okay, so like um the 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 actor that plays uh grown up Rhaenyra because there's a time skip in the show, okay. um is like she's being like interviewed by um I, I believe the actor's name is Olivia Cook the the one who plays Allison Hot Queen Allison Hot Tide the uh, the other the the brown-haired woman in the show is interviewing the blonde-haired woman in the show right. as a means of ingratiating themselves to the fan base you know, sort of like people do like, all right, people are going to answer Google searches of themselves, but instead they're like sitting across from each other, like saying favorite color, you know, who, what's, what sports team do you support? What's your favorite drink when you order at the bar? And the actor that plays Rhaenyra, like, you know, very smooth, sultry and sexy, like says Negroni Spagliato. With Prosecco in it. And it's like been a thing for like two months, apparently. I like, okay, so anyway, like I was hearing about this because apparently the show had wrapped up and that was like the first that I was hearing that the show was even over. Um, so like, you know, that was anyway, yeah, that was how we got into this. Uh, 
that that was what I was trying to explain off mic earlier. Drink drink your Campari straight. That's what I'm gonna say, dog. I did my time in <laughs> yeah. DC in my twenties. I drink Campari straight. Okay. Um, we were talking about oxtails. We were talking about. Uh, I mean, the, yeah, we, like, <laughs> so so we're you know, eventually there will be like a sound only like cooking ra- random cooking special episode. Yeah, we need a cooking know? special. That's what we were kind of working our way up to. Is like, how do we like what even what a sound only cooking episode <laughs> focus on? <laughs> I don't want incredible. it to be like a cooking show response. Like I, you know, I watch GBBO, but like I don't want to do a sound only episode about Bake Off. That that doesn't sound right. But it's got to be something. Like, we, I don't know. Like, watch this space. Email us with recommendations on how to do this at soundonlypod at gmail.com. Like, we might try yeah. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anyway, anyway, we are moving on to the to this to the actual portion portion of the show show. Okay. The entree. So, yeah, right. The, the entree. <laughs> um, the... <laughs> You set this up as like we're gonna recommend. No, I mean, like, no, I'm just saying, like you, go, like you, it's it's yours. I mean, like it's I, your world sport. It's like you, you said, it's a sport. <laughs> you said, <laughs> yeah, you said, you said that this is going to be you talking about how Atlanta has is is good. Actually, come back and you know, like just. Stop all this foolishness and come on home. Listen, I mean, when you put it like that, like you gotta let me put some bass in my voice and read it like it's the Declaration of Independence, right? You gotta like Okay, like, all right. You know, I'm sorry. Like, Excuse it's, me. It's just funny because it's like it's like, okay, sometimes we'll like bounce a recommendation off each other, right? Like listeners, you know, people who tune in this show know sometimes we'll recommend something to us. In this case, I'm going to talk about a thing that we've literally both done episodes about and then just at one point just got frustrated and tired of doing episodes about. But then what happened? Well, I'll tell you, listeners, I, you know what I did? Uh, Several weeks ago, I went on Instagram and I posted a little message and I said, you know what? If Donald Glover can make it halfway through the season, the final season of Atlanta without saying something annoying in an interview, I, I'll get back into Atlanta. And you know what? He's been on he's been on good behavior. Donald Glover has <laughs> and his writing team have been on good behavior. And I am an honorable man. I am an honorable man. So when I saw that we're getting toward the end, we're getting we're in the second half of the final season of Atlanta, I said, "You know what? I am an honorable man and I'm going to nut up." And I am going to catch up on this show. And thus I did. And I will say that, first of all, I think everyone saw this coming, right? That like after the third season, which we complained about, right? The third season is very kind of like anthology episodes of Atlanta. It's like four out of 10 episodes are about random white people and sort of race allegory type shit. And then the rest of it is sort of, it's sort of like, feels like really watery character drama with the sort of main cast in Europe on the European tour sort of arc, right? And it's like on paper, I like the idea of both a European tour arc for Paperboy and the idea of what if we just do weird anthology episodes, right? But the execution of it was just kind of annoying to me for a variety of reasons we can rehash if we want, but it's like, Season four, people saw the trailer and they were like, okay, they're clearly going to, for the last season, kind of go back to basics with the show. And, like, I guess the main thing one would have been worried about is, like, I don't know. It felt like season three, in a lot of ways, sucked a lot of goodwill out of the room, both because of how noodly season three was and also how much of a dickhead Glover was before anyone had even watched season three about the critical reaction to season three and season four. I don't know that it really feels like Alison Herman wrote about it in, in terms that I, I largely agree with. It's like, I don't think the show has gotten back to being like as good as season two was right. It doesn't feel as consistently and potently just tight as season two was, but yeah, man, they kind of fixed the show. They kind of made it feel like, right, this is a show about 
like these characters and the city of Atlanta and this weird dysfunctional rap career, but also all of these weird observational dramedy surrealist elements, right? Like mm-hmm. there's an episode in this season that's that's like a, a really screwy, surreal lampooning of Tyler Perry, right? And then there's an entire episode about like a serial killer sort of like it's like soldier boy and a serial killer and like a shooting in a mall. And it's, it's great. Right. It's like, it's that kind of shit where it, I I think that like signature balance of Atlanta was always about comedy and entertainment on the one hand, right? Like just sort of loosey goosey black comedy, but also like thematic potency. Right. And like a real sense of intimacy and a real sense of like, uh, creative ambition and i i don't know man i feel like they strike the i feel like season four like restored the feeling and restored the balance and it's good like it's just good man it's good like it's you know i'm a hater you know i'm a hater like i went in being like I don't know. Maybe Donald Glover just lost me. Maybe this is a show that just lost the plot after season two. But like, nah. I think actually the last quarter of its tank of gas is some good gas, man. So what you're saying is that the show has sort of come back to itself and like settled into the idea that we might want to know where these characters are going in life and what they want and what they think. But also, like, that the city of Atlanta itself is supposed to be a character, too. Yes, it is settled back into both of those ideas. And even that is kind of bittersweet, right? Because it's it's one thing about the third season is that and I don't know how much this is the show. And I don't know how much this is apologists for the third season of the show. But it's like, like, it's also like a question of how the third and fourth seasons were made, isn't it? Because like the the third season felt a lot like you could reach into the premiere and find the, you know, uh, like the CNBC report about whatever, whatever the family, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like it was like yeah, the, yeah. Somebody read an NPR article and was like, yeah, was they just, like yeah. it was. And knowing that that's not the way that TV shows really come together. Yeah. Like, that was a thing that was also kind of frustrating about it. Um, and, like, they're this sort of, like, I guess what you are describing is sort of like a coalescence of, like, this is what we are and this is what we do and we know how to do it well. Whereas, like, the thir- the, the third season was just characterized by like the show runners just playing outside of themselves like taking shots that you like you didn't practice that shot you don't know what that yeah, is yeah you did practice this that like, shot yeah. yeah 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 there's it's like so i think that there is like because again like i really loved episode five of, of the third season mm-hmm. for this exact thing that you're describing like oh we found this really weird looking um, the, uh, amphitheater in whichever like central Germany and like we're just gonna script an entire episode of television around it like that felt like the fun sandboxy stuff that I liked about the show initially um, when you say that phrase that you liked about the show initially I think what's frustrating about how people process season three is that it kind of feels like if you didn't like season three, you you've been made to feel by people who did like season three, like, okay, well, what you really wanted was for it just to was be a season, show for just babies. To be season one. You just well, wanted just a like, show you, for babies. And it's like, it's sudden, it's also <laughs> like, it's the way that like, first of all, the way that the, the, the third and fourth seasons were promoted. Um, down to the way that like Donald Glover was all on Twitter talking about it and yeah. all up on the South by Southwest stage dancing in the videos talking about this is going to be our Sopranos or whatever, yeah. whatever the, whatever the tagline was this year that led entertain the entertainment weekly thing. Um, 
also like, you know, the tweets about like, you know, be brave with your blue check type, whatever the thing yeah. it was, like this weird sort of posturing also like I thought fed into like the way that conversation happened around it. Um, because yeah, it is sort of like, oh, this is our third album. And like, you don't want us to get conceptual because you don't want artists to evolve type shit. It was like really like the tone of conversation that was happening around it. If like on the positive side of things. Yeah. Or alternatively, you need a certain level of intelligence to appreciate J. Cole, right? Like that's basically, it's just a glorified version of the J. Cole defense. Yeah. Or <laughs> Kid Cudi produced this album himself. So you got to respect it. And it's just yeah. like, no, he needs Dot the Genius, you know? Like there's, it's, there's, <laughs> I, like that, that was really what it like. It was that was what was driving me nuts about the show. Is that <laughs> it's just kind of like, yo, bro, like you cannot tell me that's like, and I'm bringing this album up and Kid Cudi specifically just because, like, I don't know why it's leaping into my mind, but you saying that you like, you got to give Speeding Bullet to Heaven another try, bro, was like weighing <laughs> on me somehow. It's weighing like, on it's, me too. Uh -huh. I, like, okay, so yeah, but I mean, the. Like, it's just sort of like, no, in my soul, <laughs> like deep down with my own, like, it, like it's just like the, the years that I've lived on this earth and all the things that I've seen and the books that I've read and the things that I've experienced, I know in my bones that this is bad. Like, so it's just like there's no, like, there's, yeah, so it's just like. This is there's no amount of mental contortion around it that's going to make me enjoy 47 minutes of mirthless TV television about stuff that I live every day. You know what I mean? Like it's just there's no I, like whatever. So it's like it's so when so it's just like this just like what are we talking about actually? Like yeah. it's just like because. Because it's just like this, oh, but it starts the conversation. And it's just like, I'm tired of like, whatever this conversation is, we were having it so long ago that like, we've already reached the semantic satiation point of it. Like, it's just like, we're just saying words now. And like, and, and, and like, and Nike and Netflix and whoever is grabbing it up and making it glossier. It's just like, we've already reached the semantic satiation point of it. Like, so it's more about like a missing, like a, a sudden absent feeling of the show that was like conspicuous, like it was a conspicuous absence in like season three. It, suddenly we were watching Lovecraft Country. Um, right. And that wasn't the discussion that was happening. It was just sort of like, isn't this brilliant that this happened in this space and that it whatever. And it's just like, well, did you have a good time? Yeah, it's funny, too, because like your point about suddenly it became love. It's like season three, right? We were talking about season three. And it's like, the, I, th I thought the annoying thing about the way people would defend season three is that it would kind of treat season three as if it were the first season of the show. Like, look, if if this if Atlanta came out and it started on season three and there was just like, uh, you know, a fan base of people who really liked it and then you had critics shitting on it. Okay, then you have standing. I mean, you would still be wrong, right? But you would then you would have a clearer standing to just go, well, the critics are stupid, right? But like, it's season three. Like, the first two seasons of Atlanta were smart and artful and complex and nuanced and had all of these things going for them and critics liked it right you can't just when season three comes out and is different and critics don't like it just act like well the critics who don't like it have marvel brain and they don't know how to process like interesting all right it's like they processed the first two seasons of the show to universal acclaim what the fuck are you talking about like they it's and like then every everybody else went to start everybody in the show <laughs> itself went to star in marvel movies yeah. that's what, like it's just like and star wars <laughs> properties like, it's just like the call is coming from inside the house. So it's just like, I, like, yo, like too much attention was being paid to the outside world instead of cementing like some sort of perspective, like on the third season, like what was is, is what it felt like. Um, 
so yeah, I mean, like to hear that, like, all right, we're just doing our own thing again, somewhat, like, uh, like in the fourth season, feels like an appropriate coda to a show that was like really, like that I really loved. That was really good, and maybe like I was a like maybe I didn't approach it as soberly as I should have in the first place because it's just like, oh my god, it's so great to have this thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not a sober show, too, in fairness, yeah. right? Like, yeah, um, but, um, yeah, like, uh, I don't know that, like, okay, like, all right, so I actually was, re- so the thing that I've been doing is going back through, like, I... Chainsaw Man had picked up like after this uh, hiatus mm-hmm. started back at issue like 100 and I did the thing where I caught up too fast so I didn't have anything I didn't have any more Chainsaw Man to read mm-hmm. so I started reading Toski Fujimoto's one shots and there's this one where uh, like a lot of them are like very weird and cute in the way that Fujimoto stuff is like sort of starting off in a place that feels a little inappropriate and maybe even a little dangerous and ending up like wholesome. Mm-hmm. Um, there's one about uh, this teenage girl who shows up to school one day and there's like this soft oil painting of her like in repose, butt naked on, on a bed. Like, and she goes to an art school and it's her little sister that painted it. So, like, the entire comic is about her, like, reconciling her relationship with her sister. But it starts off in such a weird place that you're like, what (laughs) is going on here? Yeah. Um, Like, and then there's this other one that is actually kind of pertinent to, like, this thing that the frustrating thing that I'm describing, which is, like, I think kind of... Uh, which has to do with like you know the proximity of fandom to criticism and also like the forensic nature of uh like contemporary fandom of anything. Yeah, because it's like it's like there's basically it's it's called uh just listen to the song. It's just this guy sweating nervously in a school uniform. Um in front of a girl and he's just like I am too awkward to, to, to really say how I feel so I made it into a song and I put it on YouTube here it is and he writes he wrote the link on an index card and hands oh, it to no. her it, oh, it no, runs brother. it runs away <laughs> and next and like the next scene is like him showing up to school the next day and she's obviously sent the link to everybody in school <laughs> Like, and, and like, he shows up in the class, everybody's already talking to him about it, and she's just like, yeah, sorry, I, it was just so crazy that I had to send it to everybody, and also sorry is my response, I don't feel that way about you, <laughs> like, and... But then, like, as the comic goes on, it becomes, like, this viral sensation because it was on YouTube already. There's also, like, the random, like, um, anime element that shows up is there's this random white hair girl that shows up and tells him not to delete the video, but she never comes back. Like, there's but you I said mean, this like, is a one shot. Yeah, this is a one shot. It's like it's literally th- like it's thirty six pages and it goes all over the place. But like, he it's sort of like. You know, also kids and cl- like it starts with kids in class pausing the video at the two minute mark. And saying, what is the weird reflection in the in the video, like in the glass pane behind like your 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 bed that you're because he was sitting on the bed playing the song. He was just like, What is this image? And they zoom in on it and it's just like, oh my God, it's a ghost. And then like there's a there's like a Reddit subthread that pops out of that and then it gets shared around and then like by the end of it, the president of the United States has commented on this video and everybody's asking for the second song and you know like can you speak to can you are you a medium can you speak to the dead and like you know is this actually about gun crime and so on so forth and then he records the second song and posts it it gets no views like it gets globally panned 
Like it's nobody is satisfied, but the girl comes down and sits next to him at the very end. It's just kind of like both of these songs are about like when you drew me in art class in middle school, right? And that's the end of the comic. Like, so I mean, really, it was just about like, oh, this started as just like a love letter, and then it became this global phenomenon, and now it got weird, and nobody likes the second thing because I just got back to basics. Yeah. Um, which I mean, like, is like a sort of creator's arc that you can recognize. Yeah. But I think like reading that and then also hearing this about Atlanta has made me think about which part of the story I'm in right now. <laughs> oh, okay. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. I think like you and I talk about this a lot, right? Like this sort of push and pull between, um, like use the word forensics, right? And that really is it. I think there's a style of fandom these days that kind of operates like that, right? And I think one of the writers on Atlanta even acknowledged that while he was trying to shade critics. He kind of like, kind of threw a bow at fans as well. Or it's just like, there's a kind of like Atlanta TV subreddit way of watching the show, right? That's about just turning up all the Easter eggs and thinking that like, that's what watching a TV show is about. Which I don't, and then critics, I don't think watch shit like that at all, right? Like, I don't think most people who like criticism want to see somebody be like, just write out a list of Easter eggs and be like, oh, I mean, MF Doom, just, oh, literally you know what I mean? Literally, like, like, just <laughs> large brushstroke all of that and just call it bees on set. <laughs> Keep moving. Yeah, <laughs> or just like, call it Wikipedia. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. It's just like a kind of, like, I, you get it, right? It's sort of little nuggets of affirmation that you maybe get when watching something, but that's not yeah. from a critic's point of view, right? Like that's not what makes Atlanta or really anything interesting is the ability to sprinkle in references to shit. Like reference culture is fan culture. It's not critic culture. Right. And like, yeah, man, I think that's kind of, that feels like it's a weird thing that informs a lot of how we talk about, it could be Atlanta. It could be Kanye. It could really be anything. Um, and Atlanta, because it's kind of one of those like, "Quote unquote rich text things," I you know it it really does cultivate that kind of fandom, and I think season three, like you brought up the South by Southwest thing with with Glover, and to me it's like you know what the difference is between season three of Atlanta and then seasons one, two, and four. It's like season three of Atlanta stands out to me not just because of the structural stuff, which I I didn't actually mind, right? The anthology structure. And not even because of the the sort of um, like the lessened focus on the main cast. It's like season three is so pointedly desperate for you to like recognize when it's feeding you Easter eggs, and it's so desperate. Like it's it's almost it's like way 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 too self conscious compared to the other seasons about the fact that Donald Glover set out explicitly to make his The Sopranos, right? Like, no one fucking watches The Sopranos itself and and ever, ever at any point feels like they're watching a TV show that's like, this is going to be the best TV show of all time, right? Like, if The Sopranos had that attitude at any point, it would probably fucking suck, right? Like, the best television shows are really the best anything like, I, I don't think they often have that sense, unless you're talking about rap. Rap is different because that is kind of the spirit of rap music. So let's set that aside. But like outside of rap, outside of hip hop, like the best things aren't always swaggering and sort of like puffing their chest up and 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 like getting really lost in the sauce of of wanting to one day be recognized as the best TV show you ever watched, right? And seasons one, two, and four really do feel like they're in love with the characters of Atlanta, whereas three just felt like it was in love with its own hype, I guess is what it was. And so, yeah, to me, I guess the show recovering its stride in season four is not, it, it really is just about like this show learned how to love its characters again. And the characters aren't perfect. Like there are still issues with like Van being the poorly written woman in a show that is just never going to write women well. Right. But like, you can still tell that there is an affection for her that animates what she does and the emphasis placed on her in the show, right? It's just like season three just did not have that. Season three just had like 
a weird insecurity about being compared to other prestige television. That's honestly what season three was to me. Mm. Well, um, I can't say you convinced me to catch all the way up, but I will give it another swing. Give it the old college try or whatever. Um, yeah. You know what I'd say? I'd say it's good. It's the, the season is good in the way that like you're thinking of it as like, okay, I'll give it the old college try, but you'll get a couple episodes into it and forget that you're even trying. I do think it's like that. It it really is seductive in the in the old way that Elena used, you know, was at the start. You'll forget that like you're kind of, you know, gritting your teeth and burying it <laughs> pretty quickly, I think. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Um, you know, there's another thing that I was watching actually that made me think about the specific, the specific feeling that you're trying to outline, that you're trying to trace with your words about, you know, like, all right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go ahead and I'm gonna give this the, I'm gonna give this the 15 minutes, you know, like if I like it in 15 minutes, I'll leave it on for the rest of the episode type of thing. But then like, you just kind of are overcome with the sense of warmth. You know, like, oh, this is, I feel safe here. This is good. You know, I've, this is a good, this is a decent hang. Is Bleach. Bleach is like, is like, I really was like, okay. So there was a lot of things about the Thousand Year Blood War. Um, the new Bleach arc returning after however many years, almost a decade, I guess. Um, like, and being subsumed into like, you know, the Disney bubble thing. Cause it's basically like, oh, we're gonna it's gonna be on Disney Plus. But I really just understood it as like, oh, we're streaming Wait, it. But is it like is Bleach yes. on Di- No? It's a, like Stop okay, it. so it's like anime was a mistake. Yeah. So it was basically like, all right, how is this going to change the source material and whatever? And it's just kind of like, well, Bleach was just Bleach to begin. Like, I mean, like it wasn't like, you know, it was like it was it was sexy and cool and and good for like, you know, being graduating past Naruto or whatever, like the big shonen anime were like of the big five shonen anime it felt like the more like the cooler disaffected teenager, I guess like that's probably like the best like selling point that I could like give bleach like Tite Kubo styling. 
Yeah, but can you explain? Because like I texted you this that like I actually bleach has been a thing what since I was like a teen. I feel like and yeah, it's bleach- been around like long enough for it to be a thing where I can I I know what the open like the seventh opening is and can point to it and like the the like all of the different openings are like music videos and everybody has a favorite one and it's like. It's been around forever. But also, like, I never, until the other day, I think when you explained it to me, like, I never knew what even the basic premise of Bleach is. Because it's like the worst name of a show, first of it all. It is like, a, it is a, it is a, I mean, like, and the stuff in it is not named much better. Like, the, the, <laughs> there is basically, it's another thing about teens do exorcisms with swords like this oh another before... thing about te- oh, just another <laughs> teens do exorcisms with swords thing of course yes i mean like <laughs> all right the 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 proto d the teens right. do exorcisms yeah. with swords cartoon next to i guess like what soul eater now demon slayer whatever tite kubo was really about like making the characters look hot though like everybody is like very like long and like sultry and like everybody looks like they're the lead in a punk band um in a in a really cool way uh and i think like a maybe like a bit of that like feeling i guess was sort of missing because it's i think that the original producers of the show were back, but it being like on a new distributor, people were worried about, oh, is the feeling going to be restored? But honestly, Bleach looks like as cool as it was supposed to look in the first place. Like it, like the colors are warmer, everything's sharper, like the budgets are obviously bigger. And like, it's just, I can't, explain how back 2009 is like when, <laughs> when you, like when you like once you start watching this show like the, because effects <laughs> like special effects have passed the show by like uh yeah. there's like explosions look different now like there's sort of like a different gravity to the way that to the way that characters move in um like in chainsaw man in blue lock and whatever like versus like the sort of there's this there's this thing that happens in Bleach actually that like I that has always annoyed me sort of like how in movies nobody ever says goodbye when they hang up the phone and it's always irked me because it's just like that's rude as fuck there's like this thing that happens in Bleach where people will start fighting and like the level of the battlefield raises off of the ground randomly at random intervals until they're finally just floating in the air. Mm -hmm. And it's like, and there will be like really long conversations like in like while fights are going on where people are just kind of standing in the, it's like a very mid 2000s thing. Like, yeah, like floating platform type, like it's just yeah. the ground breaks apart type thing. Is yeah, but I mean, like it's yeah. yeah. Well, no, 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 not oh, not, not, not the okay. ground place. Okay. Like it's literally like these people are fighting on the ground, and then the second stage, like by oh. by by act two, the fight is just in the air. Yeah, like okay. and they're just kind of floating up there. Okay. Oh, uh, ground property doesn't necessarily need to be destroyed in order for this to happen either because like uh the thing the way that all right so teens do exorcisms with exorcisms with swords uh the exorcism people the 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 soul reapers are you know are your devil hunters are your demon slayers are your whatever they belong to a place called the soul society which is like a spirit government agency, but also a place that is like purgatory, not exactly heaven and not exactly hell. And that's where like all the soul reapers live. Soul reapers are meant to like fairy souls across the astral plane to the great beyond, blah, 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 blah. Um, lost souls. 
are corrupted by negative human emotions and turn into these things called hollows, which the soul reapers exercise. And the way that we get like sucked into the story is that we meet this tall, slender, carrot top teenager named Ichigo Kurosaki, who becomes a substitute soul reaper. And then like also like immediately like one of the strongest fighters in the soul society just by dent of being a complete asshole and 17 basically uh sort of like takazo and vagabond if you've like you if you've if you've read that um but but yeah okay but anyway like the over the course of the show there's like several seasons that you know like they 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 go places there's arcs they have adventures they kill people it's fun he loses his powers. He gets them back. He loses his powers again. And probably the best arc of the show is the Waco Mundo arc. If I was just like going to tell you to point to something that's just like, this is the, this is what sells the, this is what you are waiting your entire watching of the show for. Because the Waco Mundo arc, again, is all of my favorite ones are. It's just a love story about Ichigo and like his will they, won't they character. Urahime, um, in the show. She's abducted by, like, an Arang car, which is, like, an evolved hollow, which, like, you know, they live in Never Neverland or Tartarus, whichever you prefer. That place is called Hueco Mundo. Um, one of the... Uh, one of the um, strongest, one of the strongest Orion cars, like I think like the number four, his name is Ukiora, who wants to learn how the humans live and love and like why they exist. You know, he doesn't want to just wipe them out immediately. Like one of those weirder characters that you've seen before in shows like these. Like he and like he's just like I will understand humans if I understand human suffering. So like let me split up this budding romance. So like she's given like one last day on Earth, and like it's this really good closing to the episode where she's just like, if I could live, you know, seven lifetimes, I'd live in seven places, and I'd try seven different types of food, and I'd fall in love with the same person all over and over again, and it's really beautiful. And then, like, it's what follows that at the very end is also one of the best animated fights in the whole series uh, between Ukiora and, and Ichigo after a while. There's also a really good one with this guy named Grimjo Jaggerjack. It's a pretty great name. Grimjo what? What is this? Grimjo Jaggerjack. Like, and he's, like, styled like, like a leopard. It's so... It's honestly so weird and it's so you're saying like, some it's like a, shit. This is like it's Tekken pretty great. Now. Yeah, like so um but anyway after that arc blah 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 I had to explain that one because it's my favorite one and you should watch it. Um he loses his powers cuz it's like you know the one last oomph to get, to get us over the finish line and save the world as you have to give up your soul reaper powers for good. And then there's like another season or two after that, I think, where he like meets these people called the Fullbringers. And like it's another they it's basically the the the, the writers introducing another power system that you have to learn, <laughs> like which gets annoying after a while. Um but I like at, at some at some point I think in that arc he gains his his soul reaver powers back or something because he has them back by the start of the the thousand year blood war uh, which uh started streaming at the beginning of october and yeah i mean like like i was saying about how back the 2009s are is yes it's the effects but also I, like i was watching it with i was watching the premiere with my friend alex and he pauses the episode 10 minutes and four seconds into it. And he's just like, I need you to understand like that, that we're in 2010 right now. Cause he pant like, it's like, like they're the characters are all sitting in the bedroom talking about this, you know, weird encounter they just had, but like up in the corner on the bookshelf, on the top of the bookshelf is a pair of red Octobers. Like, 
That's how back in two thousand that like that's how back two thousand nine is in the show. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like it's a good time. It's like it is exactly as you remember it if you watched any Bleach at all. And for you who didn't, I mean, it's very like new threat shows up bad guy gets put under pressure but eventually repels them and you know the end or is it type of show you know what i'm saying tune in next week yeah no i i know we listen listen it's this even earlier than 2009 the, the vibe is eternal of course <laughs> um it's like a while it's like a wild anime season isn't it it's like Chainsaw it Man. is there is Thousand Year Blood War, Chainsaw Man, Blue Lock. Um, what what else we got? We got Mob Psycho Three. Um, My Hero Season Six. If you wow, care about you said that. that, man, you said bad sarcastically. I was like, I'm sorry, you I'm sorry, bro, hero. but like, I'm sorry, bro, but like, My Hero is basically going like it's like going the way of the Marvel Disney Plus shows where it's just like everything happens in the same office block in in in, in Macon, Georgia. Like no it's like there's no sort of like the, the the world doesn't feel alive or fun or vibrant or any of that other stuff. It's just selling toys, man. Listen, listen Mikey, you you gotta kill that that Marvel shit talk for a bit because they're never coming back. They're bringing back Matt Murdock. So we might, it might be a reversal of fortunes at the Disney Corporation, okay? We might have to do some Daredevil talk soon. I'm just saying. Um, but yeah, like, there's a lot of anime. Wait, when is the Daredevil show coming out? When is that coming out? I am trying I to. I, I would <laughs> accomplish. <laughs> I would know if I watched She-Hulk, if I kept up with that shit. That shit sounded like a disaster. Did you watch any, any She-Hulk? I'm sorry. I didn't watch it. No. Okay, no. Good. No, I did not. Okay. And <laughs> Does it sound like we watched She-Hulk? It's, just, it's really just like, like I, it's, I said it like that because I keep running into people that are just like, it's not that bad. And that's the only thing that anybody has ever had to tell me about that show. That and the fact that it is, it pretends the return of Daredevil, which is a positive, is the sole positive thing that I've heard. Um, She-Hulk is like one of those shows that like, I can't tell whether that show happened, happened. Like, were people into it? It felt like there was, there was definitely like web articles produced about it. But like, did did that show go up on the level of like a Loki or something like that? I don't believe so. Okay. The other thing, I, guess, I mean, it's also, but it's the, but the, to answer that question is also being like, how popular is Netflix new original movie? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's like there's, they're going to tell you how many subscribers, but you don't really know because those numbers are self reported. There's like, it's, yeah. This, Wait, also, while we're in the, just at the very end here, off of Bleach, but in non anime nerd corner, uh, can I ask you about Andor? Did you have you kept up with Andor at all? Like I did not keep it? up with Andor. I watched okay. the first episode and I was like, and like, you know, a lot of the Disney Plus shows, I was just like, oh, the vibe of the first episode seems like they really, you know, like they understood the assignment for this one. But I <laughs> I really do have that feeling about the first episode about of the lot of those shows. That yeah, it falls yeah. off a cliff very quickly. Yeah, but and I do like that everything that like Ben Lindbergh writes for the site about Andor is like, oh, it's not even that Star Wars. I don't know. I Andor might be the kind of thing that like once we put Atlanta to bed, I actually my magnanimous I, like, self. I might be, actually binge Andor. I, I, I might will do it. say that the first the the first episode did a did a very like did a good job of stretching out that like um the queasy oh shit feeling that you get when Andor first like caps the informant and and Rogue One where you're just like oh wait 
this this can happen and mm-hmm. like the 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 hero in a Star Wars movie could do bad thing. Yeah. There's it's very much like taking that feeling and being like where does this person exist? Like what is existence like for this person but not giving you any satisfying answers in a way that doesn't feel like they're leaning too into that. Get what I'm saying? Like it's like Yeah. It's not overly self-conscious grit, but it I, feels like, you know, like, oh, we now notice that some of these um, space doors have rust around the edges. Yeah, it's like it's funny that you said that because it, it does sound interesting, but it also sounds like, you know, the bad version of that is the entire history of Han Solo's character in post-trilogy Star Wars, yeah. right? Where it's like... Yeah. Trying to lean into that idea, and then you you wind up with the fucking solo, uh, which brings us back to Donald Glover, full circle. Time is a flat circle. Um, I might check out Andor. There might be an episode about it at some point. Who knows? Um, listeners, email us about the following subject: Atlanta, um, the Gunna cameo on Atlanta, uh. The Soldier Boy cameo on Atlanta. Bleach. Chainsaw Man. Um, that one shot that Michael was talking about by Fujimoto. Uh, what else? <laughs> Daredevil. <laughs> Any Andor. season. Even the bad uh, yeah. season of Daredevil. <laughs> Andor. Jessica Jones. Soundonlypod <laughs> at gmail.com. That's soundonlypod at gmail.com. Uh, that's all I have this week, Michael. What about you? Yeah, that's all I got. You know, with all um, of that, that, said, that 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 Jeezy DJ drama tape was that as bad good? As I thought it was. Gonna it wasn't be. that it bad. Was, okay, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was going to be. Oh no. yeah, we do a, a half a bar. That Taylor album is garbage. Don't email me about that shit. That that Taylor album, like, get out of here with those beats. Like, get out of here with all of those synths. Like. That shit is not a Taylor Swift album. Get like you took like a bunch of shit that you might as well just have like Lana and Charlie singing over and call that shit a Taylor Swift album just because it's got some diaristic noodling about boys. Come on, bro. Come right, so on, that, bro. So 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 that so that was a half a bar. That was a whole sauce walker outro. <laughs> but that, that's that is that is sound only on the new Taylor Swift. <laughs> Come on, like no. I, that's a, that's I, a Chris Gow D minus. and I can't. I pick like one one <laughs> critics pick off that album. Maybe. <laughs> Stop it, oh, five man. <laughs> Um, all I'm Justin Charity. On that note, I'm Justin Charity, and I'm Mike Peters. Shouts out to our producer Stefan Anderson. We'll see y'all next week. <laughs>